Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. This episode you're about to listen to has a few choice words. So if you're listening with your children in the car, earmuffs. Thank you. Hello, hello. Welcome to Mom Jeans. Today's episode is called Your Food Intake because we are going to talk about our relationship with food and what on earth it means to be a normal eater. I mean, really, what does that mean? Like, how are we supposed to know what to eat, how to eat, especially in the age of all these like nutrition coaches and body image lover coaches, peoples, bloggers, Instagram influencers, like I just feel like the information out there is so confusing. So much information. Today, we are going to try to simplify food for you. Tina is going to touch on things from a dietetic and scientific perspective. And we also have an awesome guest interviewer who's going to make all of this information real for you because she's a dietitian who focuses on teaching mamas how to have a good relationship with food. So mamas, we want you to stop following rules and stop feeling... Like you have to do it perfectly because the reality is, is that that's ultimately impossible. There's no perfect way to eat. So mamas, we want you to recognize that this is your one and only body. And so we're trying to cover the basics here for you all so we can move forward in finding a good food relationship. Yeah, I think my issue with all of the people and voices out there is that they're trying to tell you how to be a normal eater. And we're going to tell you that today, but our definition is a lot different because so the, the definition of being a normal eater is that you're in charge. Yeah, exactly. And there is no definition. Yeah, the defin- there is a definition, but it's, it's way flexible. You know, it's not a perfect definition, you know? Okay, give us give us the definition of normal eating that you work with clients with or that you just really stand behind. Yeah, so I'm going to hit on the Ellen Satter definition, and I'm linking this in the show notes. And we've touched on Ellen Satter briefly before, and she's this amazing dietitian that focuses um, on uh, teaching children, parents and children, how to eat. Um, so I'm snagging this from her website. So thank you, Ellen. Um, and so according to Ellen, normal eating is a multitude of things. And I'm just going to hit on a few. It's coming to the table hungry and leaving feeling satisfied. It is eating what you want and what you're craving It is sometimes eating more and sometimes eating less. It's trusting that your body is going to make up for your mistakes. And it is taking up an appropriate amount of brain space, but leaving room for other areas of your life. 
it's emotional, it's logical, it's physical. I threw that in from myself. And ultimately, it's really just flexible. It is flexible. It's not a perfect system. Okay, so you just use the word mistake. So you're saying it's trusting your body will make up for mistakes. But my guess is you're not using that word in the same way all of these nutrition coaches or personal trainers would say. So what's your definition of that? Yeah, I'm not saying mistake like you did something wrong. But I mean mistake as in the sense like you were out and about and didn't bring a snack and you got hungry and are recognizing that you're coming into the meal feeling hungrier than you really want or you decided to go out to eat and take more bites and leave the meal at a stronger fullness or you didn't have any fruits and veggies because they weren't available or you made a choice to not. And so our bodies have the capability if we give them the chance to tell us, hey, I'm craving fruit today, eat some more, or I, you didn't eat enough yesterday, so please eat more today, or you're lacking water, drink some more. So it has the capability of sending us these signals. We just need to be aware and open to hearing them. So that's basically that definition of intuitive eating we talked about in a previous episode. So I'm going to just touch on it briefly in case you mamas don't want to go back and listen to it and you're like, wait, I forget. So it's this concept that you eat what you want, when you want, whatever you want with body attunement. So I'm going to kind of disclaimer here. I'm not saying to eat what you want, when you want and ignore every single signal that your body is sending. I'm asking you to tune into your body to see its communication. And so intuitive eating is coming from a non-diet, non-judgmental approach and in making food choices and in honoring your body. Uh, it also talks about uh, exercising for enjoyment and having a positive relationship there. And in the end, it talks about honoring your body with gentle nutrition. So we're not saying that intuitive eating is a free-for-all it does bring in these important concepts but of exercise and nutrition but you know it it is a non-dieting non-judgmental approach to your food yep that's it the bottom line is intuitive eating normal eating it's really a definition that almost you make as the detective and the owner of your body. So it does have some guidelines to help you nourish yourself in the best way possible. But I always say, be a detective. Like what works for you is not gonna work for the next person, which is why diets don't work, which is why specific meal plans don't work for everybody. Why certain um, recipes that these food bloggers post aren't gonna taste good to everybody. You have to be detective and figure out exactly what your body needs and when and what your relationship with food is that's going to be normal to you. Because normal is not normal to everybody. Normal is normal to you with some certain guidelines to help you make sure you're kind of taking care of yourself. Exactly. So I'm really excited to interview Janice today and talk to her a little bit deeper. And so we're going to transition to that. Hey everyone, today we're going to be interviewing uh, Janice Dada, who 
is the owner and principal dietitian of SoCal Nutrition and Wellness, which is a nutrition counseling and consult- consulting practice based in Newport Beach, California. In her private practice, Janice specializes in helping individuals and families optimize their health, well-being, and eating behaviors. As a certified intuitive eating counselor, Janice offers personalized nutrition counseling and group workshops using a non-diet, weight-inclusive framework. Additionally, Janice has trained with the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy and weaves integrative and functional nutrition into her non-diet work. Her experience in the nutrition field extends from individual counseling across a wide range of ages, body sizes, cultures, and abilities to leading small and large group workshops to teaching undergraduate and graduate level nutrition classes. She is frequently asked to consult with organizations, sport teams, and private groups and has served as an expert witness. When she is not counseling, consulting, or teaching, she enjoys spending time with her husband, two kids, reading or listening to audiobooks, being physically active, and eating delicious food. Yay! All right, this is Rachel, and this is our first in-person interview. I'm actually in Janice's office in Newport Beach. And I'm not, but... No, okay. Tina's not. No. We're having way more fun than you are over here. <laughs> uh, no, it's super fun to do this in person, and I'm listening to the bio, and then I'm also looking at all these fun food books and food <laughs> pictures, and it's lunchtime, so... Is this part of your secret way to get clients to eat? <laughs> Just like post a bunch of good Come food. Come in at lunchtime. Yeah, I post a bunch of good food posters. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is fun. So as a therapist, I'm going to actually be doing the interviewing today because as much as I work with dietitians and like to pretend I know things, you guys are the experts. So we kind of want to simplify food, calories, how to nourish and feed yourself as a mama for all of our listeners. And so I've got a few questions for both Tina and Janice that we're going to go through today. Um, Our first one, I mean, what is food? Like, how do we know how to feed ourselves? Um, I'm curious, Tina, if you'll do some of the scientific piece maybe. And then Janice actually works with new moms and helping them nutritionally feed themselves and take care of themselves so she's actually going to be an awesome piece for all you mom listeners yeah so I'm going to stick to the scientific part so that Janice can really thrive off her amazing counseling skills as a you know fabulous dietitian so to answer Rachel's question what is food from a scientific standpoint and I got this definition from literally a biology dictionary And it says that food is a form of nourishing substance that is consumed by humans and animals. It is a substance that provides nourishment and nutrition. And it is a source of a nutrient that is fed upon to be metabolized to gain energy or molecules essential for the organism's continued existence. What the hell? If I were to actually communicate that to a client, they would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But ultimately, food is something that we need to consume to exist, to maintain our life. Thank you for the scientific definition. It's boring. I get it. How do you explain it to moms, Janice? Yeah, so food, I think, has become too complicated, or at least the nutrition part of it has become too complicated because anything we eat that's actually edible has nutrients in it. So whether that's white bread or whole wheat bread, Mm -hmm. it's all nutritious. Um, And I think sometimes people forget that carbohydrates are an essential nutrient. And so when we think about, you know, carbohydrates in this way that 
you know, kind of makes them good or bad, mm -hmm. um, it really misses the point because we need carbohydrates, whether it comes along with fiber from the whole grain or not. Um, and so when I'm working with new moms, I like to remind them that fed is best. This is like the busiest time of their lives. They're not sleeping. They're changing a million diapers. Mm -hmm. They're emotional. Their hormones are all over the place. Um, and we need to be eating regularly. Even if we're not new moms, we need to be eating regularly. But especially as new moms, mm -hmm. missing out on meals is, you know, and they really tell me this from their experience. I find that I'm snacking all day long. And so I help, try to help them understand why they might be doing those things because their body is really trying to tell them, like, you need more food. And so grabbing more snacks or, you know, gravitating towards certain types of foods like high-energy dense foods are really just the body's way of saying, feed me some more food. Mm. I love that because sure. there's so much pressure on us as moms to do everything perfectly. And then we forget, like, oh, we also need to take care of ourselves. But then we have this added component, especially in Orange County, to now feed ourselves perfectly. So to your point, it's like, stop beating yourself up and overthinking and overanalyzing every single food choice. That is best, learn how to feed yourself. Is that kind of how you break it down? Exactly, okay. yeah. And I think moms really understand this fed is best concept because there's been a lot of work destigmatizing breastfeeding versus formula feeding. Mm -hmm. And so I like to help them understand how to apply that to themselves, that whatever mm -hmm. it is that you grab, whether it's something from a drive-through or it's home prepared, it's still food and it's still nourishing and it's right. still going to help give you that energy that you need. I like how you touch on in the beginning, like, Food is food. It is edible. And I find myself a lot of times talking to mamas in session saying like constantly reframing their diet mentality of being like, oh, but my kid, all they want is sugar. And I'm like, great. Carbohydrates are essential. So let's let's really hammer that in. So I think a lot of the time it's important that mamas are doing their own therapeutic work so that this isn't really being transferred on to their kids and really understanding that food is food. You know, we're, we're encouraging balance, yes, of course, but a carbohydrate isn't gonna kill you. Sugar is not gonna kill you. We need these items. Well, to go back to your scientific definition, I mean, they define food in neutral ways of gaining energy or molecules that provide nourishment. So for sure, I think the big thing that you're talking about too is how as moms, we make food more of a morality issue or a perfectionistic issue or then the dietary issue. And we forget that it's just basic molecules. Mm -hmm. So as moms, just giving ourselves permission to say, food is food, fat is best. I need to figure out how to eat while I'm trying to survive the tantrums and the diaper changes and the breastfeeding and the timeouts and like all that jazz. Like just eat the food and nourish yourself because then you'll also have more patience to handle the temper tantrums and the diaper changes. And at the same time, you have time later to potentially, you know, tweak it if needed. But at the same time, to a certain degree, it's okay just to neutralize it and say fat is best. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. So starting with whatever food you can get that's easiest to consume and then going up the ladder from there, if we want to eventually be making home-cooked meals, great if that works for your energy level and your time. Yeah. One little area I like to debunk, and I don't know, Janice, if you ever use this in session, but it's like I believe that our food idea is based off of perception. So a lot of times I like to go, okay, oatmeal and oatmeal cookie. So I'm going to zoom in 
I've taken pictures of both and on my phone and show them and like tell me which one it is. And they can't tell because a zoomed in picture of oatmeal and a zoomed in picture of an oatmeal cookie look the freaking same. And at the same time, I also show them, hey, go OCHEM, but the molecule of what that carbohydrate looks like. And guess what? They both look the same. So really trying to bring that back to that perception of like, that's how the body sees it. The body can't really zoom out and see your own food rules and distorted beliefs around that, and it only sees that molecule. Yeah, they're all going to digest eventually into glucose, any carbohydrate, doesn't matter if it's whole grain bread or oatmeal or oatmeal cookie, it's going to end up as blood glucose. Yep. There's also micronutrients in there, B vitamins, iron, yep. zinc, all of that's still in there too, and I think it gets lost on the perception of the word cookie but if we yeah. named it something else it mm-hmm. would have a different a different meaning behind for it for sure mm-hmm. thank you guys for taking ochems that would have to <laughs> oh, yeah. terrible class I would have failed that so bad so this is why you guys did and I'm just gonna <sighs> glean all your information <sighs> Okay, so I think the biggest thing that gets convoluted as well after food is calories. Mm-hmm. So could you guys kind of go through how you neutralize calories just in general with clients and then especially with moms? Sure. I'm going to do the scientific part again, and it's a little wordy, but um, we'll get through it, everyone. Um, so in 1863... A calorie was defined as the amount of heat needed to raise the temperature of one kilogram of water from zero to one degree Celsius. In 1925, calories became scientifically defined in terms of joules, which are typically used by physicists to describe the amount of work needed to force one newton through one meter. What in the hell? I mean, I don't know if that teaches you guys how to eat, but it certainly doesn't help anybody. But what I can tell you all still from a scientific perspective is that calories are used to describe the energy producing potentials of food. Everyone requires a different amount. And in food, the number of calories tells us how much potential energy they contain. So it, it really isn't a definitive fact. Another point is, is that it's not only calories that are important, but the substances from which they, the calories are taken. So which is the reason why we need um, calories from a different variety of foods. And if we don't get enough of these nutrients or calories, there will be negative consequences to our body, whether that is losing lean muscle mass, not being being able to concentrate, or not having the energy that we need uh, on a day-to-day basis. So that all is a bunch of wordy scientific stuff. Janice, please tell me your... <laughs> Please help us. Yeah, so I I certainly try not to talk about numbers when it comes to calories too much, but help people understand that calories are a positive thing because they provide us with energy. So anything that we eat that has calories in it is ultimately going to break down and give us energy that our body needs to do all the work that it needs to do throughout the day. Um, one real like, misperception that I think people often have is like, if I'm not exercising, I shouldn't be eating calories because I'm not burning it off. Uh, and that's so not the case right. because I, I always tell people, even if you laid on the couch all day and didn't move a muscle, yeah. you'd still be burning 
basically like 80% of your energy needs because really only 20% of our energy expenditure, the calories that we burn, are coming from our physical movement. And that physical movement doesn't even mean it has to be exercise. That's like walking to your car, walking around your house, like literally twiddling your fingers. All of that is burning calories or energy. So we have to take in calories or energy every day from our food in order for our body to simply function. And if not, our body gets resourceful and it breaks down things like you mentioned, Tina, like it's going to break down our muscle protein. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't, I don't think I've met somebody who wants their muscle protein to be broken down. Mm-hmm. So that's like our way of protecting all of those really important resources that our body has is just to eat enough. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think that like flows us into that like myth of like calories in versus calories out. And honestly, it's, that's a bunch of bullshit and is fed to us by our diet world or unfortunately some really disordered fitness worlds. And it it doesn't work like that. What Janice is talking about is that like resting energy um, expenditure and the heat it requires to actually metabolize food that all requires energy and we could all be laying down doing nothing and still need a ton of food, you know? Um, yeah, I love myth-busting the whole concept of how your brain burns carbohydrates and uses carbohydrates as fuel when you're studying. I mean, I don't yes. give them touch mm-hmm. in the background because that's not my scope, but I, I love busting that. And I think for moms, too, that's really helpful to remember that, like, you just trying to stay patient all day and trying to, like, build blocks while cook dinner, while do whatever, like, all that brain power is burning calories yeah or using fuel using energy energy. my bad yeah Um, (laughs) getting kids in and out of car seats and right picking them up and putting them down all of that is super energy expending right you gotta feed the mom brain too absolutely yeah Yeah. um okay so what myths do you like to bust especially here in orange county (laughs) (laughs) that um for moms about their relationship with food or that calorie intake or anything like that Yeah, so, I mean, especially when it comes to what calories are coming in, I find that carbohydrates often get really stigmatized. Um, So I like to remind moms, especially because I'm working with a lot of new moms who are still breastfeeding, um, that they have higher higher, higher carbohydrate needs than even when they were pregnant. Um, And so a lot of times I'll get questions. um, I do a, a new mom group few times a month. Um, and so a lot of the questions that they have in this group is like, when can I go on X diet? Or when can I start like aiming to lose this baby weight? And so I try to help them understand that their body knows what to do with regard to whatever body changes are going to come after having a baby. Um, I remind them that it took nine to 10 months to grow the baby. And so it certainly takes a while for their body to get back to whatever size it's meant to be in their post-baby world, which is likely not going to be the same as before because a lot of things change during that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that during this lactation period that their carbohydrate needs are, have, you know, a minimum that's much higher. And so really restricting calories or restricting carbohydrates is ultimately going to take from their breast milk supply take from their energy intake um and so that's something I try to help them understand their their real need for Mm -hmm. yeah that was huge for me because I have had three kids and with each kid I learned so much the impact of my nutrition and my caloric intake on my milk supply 
But to the point where I learned after my third child, like exactly why lactation cookies are helpful mm-hmm. and, and why all those other like different nutrients that they say help milk supply, like you should eat them because there is a huge correlation. And I also learned to postpone exercise for a while after my third kid because I just learned when I started moving too much, my milk supply would directly be mm. impacted. So yeah. I think that's great to, re- to remember that like not only do you need to feed yourself, but you also need to feed your baby if you're nursing. And so you, you, can't, you just can't mess with diets yet. It's just... Or ever. Ever. Yeah. (laughs) Or ever. Exactly. Yeah. I would say, yeah, never. But, I mean, it makes me really sad that, and this is where I think as new mothers or parents, that we need more support available because the first idea for most mamas that are stuck in that diet world of, like, how can I get back to my old body? And Janice, I love how you say, like, hey, wait, it took nine months to grow this baby. It's going to take time for your body to regulate. That doesn't mean lose weight, but it means regulate, get back to even feeling normal. But if at that same time you're super focused on restricting your calories or changing your body, you're removing yourself and your body's ability from either feeding your baby or mentally being present or sleeping the little sleep that you are getting um, or even just healing itself. It, we, giving birth, whatever way that is, is traumatic on the body and we need nourishment and fuel to be able to heal from that. So yeah, it makes me sad. Yeah. I was just going to say, sometimes the clothes can be a triggering aspect of that, too. You know, a mom will say, I'm going back to work, and none of my work clothes fit. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of brings on this idea that maybe I should do something to change this, which is really not something that we have control over. Um, Right. So, you know, I think it's a great idea if it's possible to invest in some really comfortable clothes that, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you can wear again if your body does change and get smaller um things that are flowy pants that are stretchy um there's some so many resources now um apps where they have like you know resale where the quality of clothes is really good if you know that it's like you're in an in-between phase and you won't be there forever but I know a lot of times they a lot of moms feel really hesitant to buy a different size because it feels like they're committing to you know to that size Um, yeah so I think if there were less stigma around that like hey everybody's got this kind of in between mm-hmm. you know phase while their body's reacclimating mm-hmm. um and we got to just kind of embrace it with finding things that make us feel good mm-hmm. right and i think that's one of our intentions from doing this podcast is really trying to spread the word to mamas out there that like hey wait We can really respect ourselves, take care of our bodies. We don't have to go down this um, diet world or body hatred perspective. We can still really take care of ourselves in a really therapeutic way and not diet. The goal is not to get the back into your pre-baby jeans like all the celebrities do. Like how quickly I got into my pre-baby jeans, right? And then there's the whole stigma of the mom jeans. Well, now you got to wear the high waist. Like whatever. Like the whole thing, that's where where this podcast was born is how to accept the new mom body. And I think your point is going, you know what? Bring it back to what's important right now. Healing your body, whatever that looks like. Sleep. Maybe even having your blood work checked and making sure your thyroid and your hormone levels have gone back to pre-babyish or normal or whatever um and just focusing on nutrition and taking care of yourself 
and not worrying about the external package. Yeah, that's a great point, too, about the labs, because most moms are getting one checkup, two if they've had a C-section, and it's really just to say, are you bleeding? Right. Are you all put right. back together? Is working okay? Is everything functioning? And it's not to really... You know, there's like a quick postpartum depression screening, which right. may or may not even catch it. Nope. Um, and there's really no assessment of, like, are you iron deficient now that you've both had a pregnancy and um, birthed a baby? There could have been a lot of blood loss. Um, and I, so I give my new moms some labs that I suggest that they um, have done, which either I'll help them order or they'll ask their practitioner. Because, yeah, you know, if you're... A lot of the symptoms of, like, thyroid, low, low thyroid or iron deficiency look a lot like being a new mom. Mm-hmm. Feeling tired, having your hair fall out, mm-hmm. which happens after pregnancy all, anyway. Um, Interesting. Out of breath, feeling cold all the time. Like, you know, there's a lot of symptoms that you could kind of, like, chalk up to, oh, just because I'm a new mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth checking out. I mean, I live in this profession, and I understand labs, and I myself had an undiagnosed thyroid condition up really until Henry was 10 months old. Because I'm like, oh, my hair's still falling out. It must just be hormones. Or I'm tired because my baby doesn't sleep. Or, uh, yeah, my skin's kind of dry. Maybe I need to drink more water. Or uh, whatever. Whatever it was. And then finally I'm like, no, dude, I feel like ass. I, I really need some help and then going in and the doctor's like my god how are you functioning and I'm like I'm not I'm not functioning (laughs) I'm not but I mean we find ways to justify that and I mean I was eating so much food even for myself as a dietitian I'm like I guess this is what my body wants okay trust myself trust my abilities but still I was like blown away with the amount of food that my body really needed to be able to feed Henry and then at the same time I'm like oh I have a thyroid condition great but now 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 that it's all adjusted I I feel fabulous yeah. But see, that's looking at the bigger picture, like looking at the mind-body connection of our emotions and our postpartum depression, look at our physical pieces, not just what the number on the scale says, but how our body's functioning, how our hair's growing back in, what our labs look like, all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all of this is just telling moms, like, it's more than just calories in, calories out. you got to give yourself a whole full body assessment and then also make sure that you're feeding yourself appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're just functioning from that calories in versus calories out perspective, which again, I would not recommend, you're forgetting about the fact that we have hormones and all these other metabolic things going on that isn't just about counting. We are not a mathematic equation. It does not work like that. There are many, many factors that contribute to our energy needs and our metabolism. So um, yeah, we're doing our bodies a a disservice if we are literally just counting what we're eating and then burning off that exact amount. But I think this kind of leads into my next question for you guys, which is how can moms be mindful about their eating and about their food intake without it being a diet and without getting obsessed about it? Because I remember I personally did have to make sure I was eating really frequently and those, you know, foods that are really good for milk supply and, you know, I was mindful about it because it was go into a bigger purpose but mm-hmm. how can moms have that mindful relationship with with food with their caloric intake without it being a diet or without obsessing about it 
Um, I mean, I usually give them a time frame, you know, like ideally our bodies should be eating within an hour of waking up in the morning and then about mm -hmm. every three to maybe four that might be stretching it for moms who are breastfeeding mm -hmm. um, hours thereafter. So, you know, some moms have been really successful in bringing their partners into this. You know, if, if they are staying home or at least in the beginning if they're staying home, um, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, is there something else that, like, the partner could do, whether that's making dinner or making breakfast for the mom before leaving for work. I had one new mom say that every morning her husband put something together and she would kind of, you know, eat it throughout that morning. Um, and so that's, I think, that's a good idea. you know, reaching out for support when it's possible. If somebody asks for, asks to bring something, you know, sure. say yeah. <laughs> that would be really helpful. Um a lot of the moms that I've worked with in this area, there's a lot of meal delivery options too, grocery delivery, and so if that's going to be a way that moms can really feed themselves, mm. you know, it can sometimes be the exact same cost of going to the store anyway. Right. Or again, that fed is best, mm -hmm. just trumps any other goal at that point. Exactly. Yeah, I always come back to that Ellen Satter's What is Normal Eating because I think it's a really great definition we talked about it in a previous episode but I'll also put it in here again in the show notes but it's saying like we need to really be able to make food a priority we're not creating it as an obsession but being mindful about food does mean that it's essential and a priority in our in our day-to-day -day life and so some of those suggestions that Janice is talking about is great because it's figuring out different ways that we can make it a priority even though we have a million other things going on and so I think it's you know, as, as moms, we often put ourselves last, you know, last in exercise, last in food, last in sleep, last in showering, not getting dressed or taking care of ourselves. Um, so I think it's really important um, that we can focus on our nutritional intake um, through whatever support we need and not putting that last in addition to the other things that are already last. And we talked about intuitive eating a few episodes ago in your weight part two, but one of the big components of intuitive eating is honoring your hunger and satisfying your cravings and stopping when you're full. And yet at the same time, life is cray cray with little kids. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes intuitive eating for moms might mean thinking ahead or might mean planning or something along those lines. I have a few quick tips that I've learned and that I sometimes talk to moms about, but I'm curious to get the dietetic point of view. Like how do you guys help moms you know, be an intuitive eater while also just developing some tips and tricks to help them survive. Yeah, so for moms who have been dieting, they may or may not have those hunger signals. They may not be as attuned to their bodies, and so I'd like to kind of ask them, you know, what it feels like to be hungry, how do they know when to stop eating, how do they know when to start eating to kind of make that assessment. Um, and if they don't have those skills or that ability, then, you know, you're really following that kind of schedule in terms of just, you know, eating with eating first thing in the morning and then every three hours or so after that, because that's really when we know our body needs that nourishment. Um, and then ways to actually get that food in, which I think oftentimes is the biggest challenge that I hear from moms is that I don't eat until my husband gets home because oh, wow. like I'm just busy, busy throughout the day with the baby. Um, and so, you know, that whole kind of fed is best goes along with that oxygen mask on the airplane. Like, we've got to eventually put the baby down and say, like, I'm 
have to feed myself because I can't take care of this baby without it. Some things that I did when my kids were babies, like I would just put them in the baby carrier and, you know, like get things out of the refrigerator if mine were really like needy and wanted to be held all the time. <laughs> so if you've got that kind of baby, right. you know, kind of got to be creative and brainstorm a little bit. And then I'd take them out and put them on the play mat for the amount of time I knew they'd function okay without screaming. Um, you know, like a bouncy chair, once they got old enough to be able to sit in a high chair, I, and I think this is actually great mealtime exposure for babies anyway, I'd put them in the high chair, even if they weren't eating because they weren't at that stage yet and, you know, let them have like something, um, to, to chew on or play with or whatever. So that at least gives you kind of some hands-free moments to, to get some food in. Yeah. And from kind of a, additional perspective in intuitive eating working with a lot of my clients I'll tell them that hey remember there's three types of eating we have our logical which is our mind our emotional which is emotions and physical which is our hunger fullness if we're only functioning from one perspective which is the physical and waiting for our body to tell us hey you're physically hungry then we're not being good intuitive eaters. I hate to use that word, but like we're just not taking care of ourselves through intuitive eating. And that a lot of times we need to be functioning from that logical perspective that says, I need to eat now. I'm setting timers or I'm eating when I'm feeding the baby because we can't connect to those hunger fullness signals. I know for a fact that when my little one was up until like eight months old, I was not connected to my body because I was so tired. I was so sleep deprived that any sort of physical connection was destroyed. So I had to function based off of a logical perspective for the most part. Um, So I think that's super important as well. I learned how to pre-plan. I mean, I'm not the dietitian here, but like just in my own little way of knowing intuitive eating in this field, I learned that for me intuitive eating meant pre-planning so that I would have more options. So like on a Sunday, I'd make myself a big salad, and then I could add protein that was left over from the night before onto it for lunch the next day. Or I'd stock up at all my favorite quick grill bars or trail mix packets that I could bring in the car with me while I was driving. I know it's probably not recommended, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, Or even just always having my favorite go-to water bottles that were always full and ready to go and easy to grab. Um, I also am the type who sits down on a Sunday and looks at the whole entire week. So I will say, okay, what meals are we gonna have throughout the week? What are the snacks that we need where, depending on our schedule and our sports schedule and all that? Um, And then maybe where can I get some exercise or movement or like a baby boot camp stroller class type thing in for the social and the physical interaction? Um, So I kind of sit down and look at it because then it allows me to input that structure without having to think about it in the moment like it Mm -hmm. makes it easier in the moment if I do some of the planning later and of course I can move it around if you know Tuesdays I plan tacos and I change my mind on Tuesday and I want the pizza well the pizza's in there because I'd already stocked it so yeah for me I kind of learned how to stock up and structure and then I felt a lot more freedom once I put the time in that definitely and I always tell moms if you are going to be in the kitchen cooking something can you make it a double? Because Mm -hmm. then half can go in the freezer Mm -hmm. for another day where you don't have anything available or you haven't had a chance to pre-plan or your baby's been sick and you didn't, you know, that was the last thing on your mind. So I'm always so happy when I have something in the freezer that I can pull out and and use for a meal. 
Um, and there's so many great resources at the grocery store, too, to just kind of make meals simpler. Like a rotisserie chicken is such a simple option that you can add to so many different things. You can make soft tacos out of it. You can add it to a salad. You can add it to a wrap, which is a great one-handed, you know, <laughs> meal. Um, and so, you know, I like to kind of have parents or moms brainstorm where is the kind of hiccup? Is it mm -hmm. that I'm constantly doing something with my hands, so I need those one-handed options? Is it that I don't have the resources? Is it that I'm not making the time? And so kind of coming up with some solutions from there. Yeah. And I want to throw out there, meal planning doesn't... I always get those clients that say like, well, I don't want a meal prep because in their mind, they're thinking meal prep means chicken, rice, broccoli for every single day. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, hold the phone. Not meal prepping like that. We're not talking about rigidity, making food pri a priority in that rigid way. We're talking about making food a priority and still having it be fun, but also making it easier for you so you're not having to scramble in the moment. Oh yeah, meal so. prep for us is like Wednesday nights is Chick-fil-A on the way home from baseball practice <laughs> like that night. And like Fridays is the frozen pizza. Like for me, that's the meal plan. I will write that down. Like yeah, Wednesday, yeah. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it means you're giving it thought. Yep. Right, yeah. like Thursday, I'm going to make the casserole. <laughs> Friday, yep. the frozen pizza. Like for me, yeah. I will meal plan all of that or just prep it just so in the moment I can feel a little bit more calm and then sure. still make sure we're all nutritionally taken care of and our energy needs are met because I've already thought about it. But, right. you know, again, that's going back to your first points of like the food is food at that point and mm -hmm. the energy can come from multiple different sources. It doesn't have to look like the perfect Instagram worthy smoothie and Ew. burrito yeah. bowl thing. Like it can just be the frozen pizza, but that's good energy for the family on a Friday night if needed. Right. If we yeah. start out with that expectation, then everything is certainly going to feel like it's not good enough. Right. And I hear right. moms using that word all the time. Oh, I'm eating this, but I don't think it's healthy. Well, like what is healthy? Any food that's going to yeah. nourish you is going to be healthy because it's yeah. feeding your mind, your brain. It's giving you what you need. Right. Yep. Well, that kind of rolls in my last question for you both. Um, I want you to just share, like, what one of your main hopes is for all the mamas listening today about how to help them heal their relationship with food or make food more simple. Like, what's a little takeaway you'd like to leave with them? Um, well, so I like to help moms, you know, first of all, realize the, the resources that they want to utilize. What, what value, I like to also bring in the values aspect of it. You know, sometimes I'll get questions about, is it okay to eat this? Do I have to buy organic? Do I have to do this? Mm. And so I, I try to bring it back to their values. Like, what I like to buy for my family is not what you have to buy for your family. And so if you have a value on organic food because you like to support small farmers and, you know, that's a, an important aspect to you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also don't think there's anything wrong with the parent who says, we're not going to buy organic because it's not in our budget or my grocery store doesn't have it available. Um, and so, you know, I try to have them figure out, okay, what is my most important value when it comes to feeding myself or feeding my family? If they have a baby, you know, it might seem like, oh, I'm not feeding my family yet because my baby's not eating solid food. And so I remind them that it's really going to be happening very quickly, that your baby's going to progress to solids and then to all of the meals, hopefully along with you, because I think that's really important. And what do you want to model for them? Do you want to model that you are a parent that feeds themselves regularly, that you listen to your body, that you're taking care of your needs? 
Do you want to model that you're eating all different types of foods? Um, you know, what would your child be interpreting if they saw that you never eat a particular type of food? And so I think those are really important things for parents to think about, that kids are always, regardless of really how small they are, they're picking up on all those messages. And so really we have to model the kind of eater that we want our kids to be through ourselves. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, kind of tapping into that values, if you're a mama listening to this and you're going, yeah, and at the same time, I need to diet because I have to change my body, that's, I really want you to try to reach out and, and, and work with someone, whether that is a dietitian or a therapist, to really try to figure out what the intention behind that is and if that truly is something that is necessary. I mean, secret, it's not, but I, that would be the takeaway. If, if that's where your ears are burning of like, and this is still one of my main goals, I really would encourage you to work through that or get support around that so that you don't feel like you have to be restricting your food in this time or ever. When we can wipe away diet culture, food myths, rules, and judgments and tap into the core of what we know is true, that we were all born being intuitive eaters, so we might have just got lost in that way. But by taking care of yourself, doing the work to remove the rules and getting back to the basics can get you mamas fueling your bodies and taking care of really the only one body that you have. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us and for joining us. This is fun. And Tina, you're missing out. We're having a great old time. (laughs) Um, Can you tell listeners where to find you? Yeah, um, I have a website for my practice, um, which is just SoCalNW.com. The NW is for Nutrition and Wellness. Um, And then I'm on social media. um, Twitter and Instagram is uh, at SoCalRD. And then um, I have a Facebook page as well. So I do, um, I'm basically a guest speaker for a new mom group in Newport Beach called the New Mom School. So it's like a 10-week series for moms with infants, um, also for second-time moms, and so I come in as the nutrition expert, but they also have people come in, they have a pediatrician come in, a dentist come in, um, somebody who talks about wills and trusts, so there's, it's like a really great resource for moms, um, somebody who talks about sleep, somebody who checks out their pelvic floor, so, you know, I know moms really enjoy it, I feel like I wish that I had been in the group when I was a new mom, but... Um, and they really kind of make some community too and, you know, find a good, a good support system. Nice. That's awesome. I like how it does it to the second child. After the third, they're like, just find a bed and here's a bowl of oatmeal and good luck. There have been some third time moms actually in the second time moms. Dear God, I needed that after the third. I need like life support. And she started having toddler classes too, actually. Oh, there you go. Okay. So it's a great resource. Well, good. Lots of good resources. Thank Thank you, ladies. Okay, well, thank you, Janice, again for joining us. And I just want to circle back, and the whole point of this episode was to try to simplify food, calories, nutrition, etc. for all of you mamas, because food is complicated because we have made it complicated. Diet culture, family messages, body shame, societies, magazine covers of celebrities, everything has turned it into something very emotional and very complicated when at the bottom line it is simple so separating out food and feelings dismantling your false beliefs about food in your body and listening to your hunger and fullness are ways to heal that relationship with food 
Like Tina said earlier, we highly recommend seeking professional help from an eating disorder provider or just a really well-seasoned registered dietitian um, to really dig into this further. And we're actually gonna dive more into this in our next episode, which is gonna be called Your Food Relationship, because we're gonna unpack the psychology behind our relationship with food and exactly what has made this more complicated. So we hope this sets the foundation for you all, and then we will meet you back here next time. Thank you. Thanks everyone. See you later. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. This episode of Mom Genes was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaVoy. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momgenesthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momgenesthepodcast and join the Mom Genes The Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Genes. See you next time.